0: Hi, welcome to this week's episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast, and this is a really special one, and that's because through our other episodes, we've been inviting on authors, researchers, practitioners, and talking about, you know, what what they've been up to, and this episode, we're going to talk about what we've been up to, and it's super, super exciting and interesting. To give you a little bit of a background, as you know, we started off as NutriBox books on nootropics. And, and and as I think longtime listeners can anticipate, we've t- been talking more and more, expanding our scope. We're really talking about uh, biohacking in general, and ketosis and fasting, and that's because we've been working on this exclusive partnership with the University of Oxford for a long time now, and. Uh, excited to introduce to you Professor Kieran Clark. She is Professor of Physiological Biochemistry from the University of Oxford and uh, the inventor of a ketone ester called Delta G that we're exclusively manufacturing and producing and fulfilling and launching as human ketone uh, available today, November 6th. So this is a huge breakthrough in science as well as human performance So I'm really excited to dive into the discussion and and to discuss the the origin, the research, the history, and the potential use cases here. So Kieran, really excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So we've been talking a lot about ketogenic diets, fasting, ketones over the last few months, and we're all building up to this moment here. We're finally launching Human Ketone. Uh, which is based on a decade plus of research from from yourself and your research group. Uh, and it's based around a ketone ester that you've dubbed Delta G. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, there's a lot to, t- lot to cover here and why we think this is a huge paradigm shifting invention and in technology. But let's start with the basics. And then from there, dive into a little bit of the history and some use cases and speculation of where uh, the technology, the research should be going in the future. Um, mm-hmm. So what is all the hoopla with ketone ester, exogenous ketones? I know that if, for folks that have been following this space, this has been sort of rumored as a holy grail technology for the last uh, several years. Uh, can, you, can you summarize the, the excitement uh, for us here? Right, so the,
1: the ketone ester, is a way of of um, taking or consuming uh, ketones without having to consume salt. Mm-hmm. So so you don't have to have any salt with it at all, and, which is a good thing because you can you can drink and raise your ketone levels as high as you really want right. with and with a ketone ester, um, oil, and in particular a beta hydroxybutyrate ketone ester. Yeah,
0: and I think that's an important point because. You know a large part of you know our community are interested in ketogenic diets or fasting and of course uh you know we think that one of the main drivers of the benefits of those protocols is the elevation of ketone levels but the downside Mm -hmm. is that it is very hard to elevate uh and and sustain very high levels of ketones i mean you have to be fasting for multiple days or eating very very strict diet you know upwards of 80 percent 90 percent uh, over calories from fat which is, oh. is quite hard to maintain and perhaps not healthy from a cardiovascular perspective i think there's some open research and debate around dietary fat consumption and, and, and blood lipid levels we could talk a little bit about that so um the ketone ester i, I think you mentioned you basically and, and and through the product that we're launching on november 6th um we can essentially manipulate ketone levels arbitrarily. Uh, we can dial it yes. up and down. Yes. So. Yes. That sounds, you know, very, you know, game changing. So, so how did this even come to existence? Um, give give a, give us a background and a history of your research and how you entered the space of ketone metabolism, and then from there, uh, where did the ketone ester, uh, you know, pop up? Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. So well, um, when I moved to Oxford in 1991, uh, Dr. Richard Veitch came and asked me to do some experiments on um, an MRM machine, a magnetic resonance
0: okay. machine. Okay. So this is like a this is and like a precursor to the
1: modern MRI. This is a precursor, and what he wanted me to do was to perfuse hearts in a magnet using um, a ketone, and when we did that, we showed that it made the hearts much more efficient and could replace insulin. So the ketone could replace the insulin. Hmm. And, you know, fast forward 10 years, and 2003, and uh, DARPA um, wanted a way to send their soldiers into a battlefield with a really efficient food. And we said, all right, if you give us $10 million, we'll do it for you. And so we invented the ketone ester. I mean, it, it sounds very simple, but we didn't know what we were going to invent. We had to actually search around for it. But we knew we weren't going to use a salt. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to avoid the salt, and we wanted to avoid acetoacetate as well. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to use um, beta-hydroxybutyrate somehow. And so that's what we did. And so now all of our ketone ester is virtually um, hydroxybutyrate, beta-hydroxybutyrate. Yeah,
0: I think that's absolutely... I think I think that's a very critical point. So this is a primer for folks that are, are a little bit need to get up to speed on the basics of ketosis. There's three main ketone bodies that uh, the human body produces: beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetoacetate, and more or less a waste product called acetone. Um, and the two substrates that are used by the body are beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate. So, can you talk about the differences between the three ketone bodies? Uh, and a little bit more detail around how it affects the Krebs cycle, how it affects mitochondrial efficiency.
1: Okay. So, well, this is the reason why we wanted to use beta-hydroxybutyrate was because it's taken up immediately into the mitochondria, and then it's um, made into acetoacetate using beta-hydroxybutyrate dehydrogenase. Mm -hmm. And And that produces NADH, which is exactly what you want, because you want to produce that, to go into complex one and it, it feeds straight away into complex one. So you don't have any trouble with transport into the mitochondria and then you make acetoacetate that feeds into the Krebs cycle. However, if you feed acetoacetate, then it goes backwards and you oxidize the mitochondria, which is exactly what you don't want to do. So, so that's one reason. So you make beta-hydroxybutyrate makes acetoacetate, which is good. Right. And then acetoacetate forms acetone, but it's just a breakdown product, and it, and acetone is not used for energy at all. Right. It just reflects the amount of acetoacetate you've got in your your body. Right. And and because our um, beta hydroxybutyrate doesn't, you, have you, when you smell, you can smell acetone um, on a diabetic breath, yeah. and it's or, or, not very or, nice. or
0: people that eat. Vi- keto it's you know people call it the keto yeah, or breath, yeah you know, like oh yeah, your, keto your breath is a little bit yeah. fruity or a little bit funky smelling that's because yeah. well uh, well that, the acetone. yeah and that that yeah. means they're doing it right because I think a lot of people that i come across in the community talk about eating a ketogenic diet but you know it's they're not if you measure their blood it's ketone levels really. you're not really there i mean it's so it's so easy to eat accidentally too many carbs any sauce is like full of carbs oftentimes people eat too much meat or steak or protein which is not the point of a ketogenic diet it's eating a lot of fat uh, which is not h- very hard to do um, I think you brought up some very technical points and I want to just t- t- tease into a little bit more so both beta hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate are functional substrates where acetone is more of a waste product I think there's some speculation it's a signaling molecule um, but so these th- well, the, what do you think do you think it's a signaling molecule not really you no. think it's just a pure I, waste product I, I,
1: yeah. Okay. I think it's a waste product. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, it's too slow. It forms it, the formations too slow and it depends too much on acetoacetate.
0: Okay. So you think that the signaling fact or the signaling effects of, if, if there were uh, one the would it be the, would it be BHB any, or acetoacetate themselves. Yeah. Okay. I Interesting. So. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to touch on the point around BHB and acetoacetate. So these are floating around within, within the cell and, usually you know and
1: within the blood as well yes
0: yeah, so ideally they're absorbed into the cells so they can actually be used and these two molecules convert back and forth into each other right so my understanding is that BHB and acetoacetate um, well BHB needs to convert into acetoacetate for it to be actually t- up taken into the mitochondria correct like
1: no no they're
0: both taken into the mitochondria okay but B- okay True. So but BHB needs to be converted into acetoacetate for it to be actually used. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, for it to be used in the Krebs cycle. Right. Yes, that's right. true.
0: So yes. the interesting step is that if you fully input a lot of acetoacetate because of equilibrium of acetoacetate converts backwards into beta hydroxybutyrate. Yeah. And yes. I think what you were saying yes. is that that is an oxidation step which makes the mitochondria less efficient. Whereas yes. the BHB conversion in the acetoacetate is a reduction, uh, a reaction, and in, and in, in increases the energetics of the mitochondria. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay.
1: So when you make NADH, uh, NADH is what Krebs cycle makes. Right. So it so the Krebs cycle is also making NADH, right. but. But so is um, the beta-hydroxybutyrate dehydrogenase making NADH right. as well, right. and that's exactly what you want in the mitochondria. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we talked quite deeply on the biochemistry there. But you know, what can the you know the, 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 the listener out there? you know, apply this to. So, I know some of the most compelling publicly released data is around athletic performance. Uh, this, the, the, the trials that you ran and, and published in Summitalism last summer. Can you talk about uh, that research and some of the, uh, the key results from, from that paper?
1: Yes. oh well really that was um, a time trial on a bicycle okay um, and and the only reason that we published it in that paper was because one of the reviewers asked us for it <laughs> and and um, we ha- actually haven't published all of the performance data at all so I've talked about it in lectures but we haven't published it yet okay so so we have done rowing studies and we've done other time trials as well so and and so we know how it how the ketone works and the
0: best way to make it work yeah. as well. So what are the what are the, the key points there? So, you know, I can summarize, you know, we're enhancing aerobic performance at least 2% um, and also enhancing recovery rates in terms of uh, uh, glycogen. E- glycogen repletion okay. and protein resynthesis. Can you dive into some of the numbers and, and technicals there?
1: So, um well, as you say, well, let's say you you do a thirty-minute row, then then you can make up fifty-five meters in a thirty-minute row, which is a lot. Yeah. Which is um, the difference between a gold and silver medal, for example. Yeah. So. I mean, that's that's um, like
0: that's a quite a few boat lengths. That's that's like gold and like not even being like fifteenth place, fifty-five meters, right.
1: right? Right, right. So so anyway, it, it makes a big difference. Um, but it really only works if you have glucose with it. So you need to have, um, you know, a standard glucose drink, whatever you have normally. And and that's because of uh, anaplerosis. So you need to be able to, to feed in the Krebs cycle from um, carbohydrate right. metabolism.
0: Right, and I think that's a, that's a great subtle point to bring up where ketones are a fuel substrate for the cells. Glucose, I mean, I think there's some, Demonization happening with sugars these days, and I think for for for, and, but but you know, for some, I, I think from reasonable uh, position because insulin resistance, pre diabetes is one of the biggest killers and biggest issues in our society today. So I think there's some some valid concern around having too much refined carbohydrate. We'll put it that way, but you need. Glucose for certain. But
1: too much fat as well. Right. Too much fat and too much carbohydrate. Oh, I, I, it's just I, I, too much food.
0: Yeah. I, I want to talk about <laughs> that because I think you have a very interesting perspective on the ketogenic diet and how perhaps the innovation, the availability of ketone esters might be able to replace or uh, deprecate some other practices happening today. But before getting into that, I want to just close the point here on the performance perspective. Um, if you have a lot of glucose, you're That's okay, but I I guess in in normal physiology, you either have high ketones and high fat metabolism and low glucose, or kind of inverted. You have very low ketones, high availability of carbs, and there's different performance profiles for each kind of metabolic state. But I think the innovation with the ketone ester is that you can have a novel state where you can have high ketones and high glucose. And... Or high availability well, of glucose. Not really. Not okay. Really. Can you can you explain so, the
1: solutes? No, no. I well for for anaerobic exercise for for sprints. Let's say you don't want the ketone. You don't want any ketone, sure. you, and you don't want fat. Right. So so you just want carbs. Sure. Yeah. And and that's what it, and glycogen. That's what you need for for sprinting. So anything under let's say a performance under less than twenty minutes you're not going to see any effect of the ketone at all and you really just want to stick to your carbs because because i mean it's partly oxidized molecule and so you don't need as much oxygen right. to to break it down however if you're doing um, aerobic exercise and let's say you're running a, an ultra marathon then you really want fat and you want to be able to mobilize fat so, and that's what these people going on a fat diet before um, an ultra marathon do they be, they make their bodies um, increase all the enzymes of fat metabolism right and so so they so they really do mobilize fat and that's what they're using but they can't sprint right so you know so that they'll run out of glycogen if they try to sprint too
0: much okay and then how does ketone esters play so ketone ester i think what i was the point i was trying to make was that ketone esters uh Mm. essentially preserve and help maintain your glycogen reserves as you're doing these longer aerobic distances so essentially you you have a little bit of a double of a fuel band versus just having a limited amount of glucose and and and, lo- and so you just have like a more available fuel in your in your energy yes, mix. Yes,
1: exactly. So so the ketone is is really like um it, it's like um a fat diet but in a bottle, <laughs> you know. So that so that you can have that and have carbs, and so you don't lose your glycogen, but, but you do um, increase your fat metabolism. So so the ketone helps to your fat metabolism as well yeah
0: and i think that that's a good transition into like ketogenic diets and what you think uh of all the diet protocols that are sort of you know in and out of vogue so again i think a lot of the interest around the ketogenic diet is around elevating ketone levels and and people obviously see a lot of interesting results with you know quickly dropping a significant amount of weight um but what are the downsides there, in your opinion, and what do you think the ketone ester, uh, you know, human ketone, is gonna be able to do to, uh, you know, how does mm, that play, mm, you know, mm. what does that, this new lever allow, allow people to do now?
1: Okay, all right, so, so when you go on a, a real ketogenic diet, I don't mean a healthy diet. So some people go on a healthy diet, but it's not really ketogenic. So on, when you go on a ketogenic diet, um, that's high fat and what it does it turns on your fat metabolism for sure and but it down regulates your glucose metabolism and you really need glucose when you haven't got oxygen so that's that's what you need and it down regulates that so if, if you have a heart attack or if you want to sprint or you know if you have a stroke or a traumatic injury you can't use the glucose that you need because, uh, and you've lack of oxygen, you need glucose, you can't use it. And so what will happen with the ketone, it lets you use that glucose. So the ketone will help use the glucose and will stop um, the fat metabolism.
0: Hmm. So, in some ways, you're saying that um, the ketogenic diet is like a... Uh, uh, like uh, 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 an imperfect form of elevating or, or getting the right results because there's associated... Well, or, or,
1: or depends what the right results are. If you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to go on an ultra marathon, it's the best way to do it at the moment. But now that um, we're going to ha- have the Keto Nesta being sold, then I think um, people will actually end up using that, so, but not for sprints. Only, only for marathons. but perhaps the, you
0: use yeah. ketone ester or human ketone as recovery drink after a sprint because I think there's so oh sure yeah, and I think yeah. can we yeah. so I think there, there's interesting data around the glycogen uh, synthesis and, and, and protein synthesis. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, the recovery side of the ketone ester?
1: Oh yes so so after exercise if if you have a ketone drink plus a carb drink, you have to have the carbs as well. Um, if you have the ketone drink and, and the carb drink, you will replenish your glycogen levels much faster. Uh, and also what will happen with the ketone, it, it replenishes the, the um, protein as well. So, so, and it also prevents the breakdown of protein after you've exercised. So if you've got a low glucose level, then you will, you will continue to break um, uh, muscle down to make glucose. So if you've performed and broken muscle down um, because you needed the glucose, then um, the ketone will actually replenish it a lot better. So, you know, I, I think that for ultramarathon runners, then it will help with the protein breakdown. It will stop the protein breakdown and it will provide energy as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about this multiple times. I think really, I think the way I've been starting to think about ketones is that we should think about them as a fourth macronutrient or a fourth food group, right? We know yes, about we fats, carbs, proteins, um, and in terms of metabolism, proteins really devolve into into sugar, into glucose. So it's really fat and, and carbohydrate, and then fats convert into ketones, but we've never been able to directly access ketones that's so always having to be studied. not by themselves exactly yeah, it's always that's right. it always has must be studied mm-hmm. via fat and now with ketones directly through through the, through the ketone ester we can finally unpack that and then to actually di- directly access uh, a, a fuel substrate that has very interesting performance profile so um i, I mean so I, I think that opens up an interesting you know, plethora of research. I know that, you know, we've t- a bunch of other research collaborators have come to you and a lot of ideas around which indications or which use cases should we be excited about. Um, if you just look at the general literature on ketosis in general, a lot of exciting results around metabolic syndromes, uh, uh, cognitive issues, uh, to, you know, other increased performance in, in other aspects maybe space travel could we use ketone esters not only for special operators you know in the battlefield today but also perhaps fueling uh the the mission to, to mars um what we can talk and dive into each of those um but you know what personally excites you the most in terms of future direction because i know that well it's taken you know a decade plus of research going from the initial darpa grant to now or it's finally being run at the you know the the, the massive scale to, to bring this commercially to, to availability, um, so what you know are you looking for, most excited about sort of in the in the next chapter uh, uh, of this venture?
1: Well, as you know, um, exercise was just a way of showing that it worked, to, that it provided energy, and uh, sort of being a scientist, we. Not all that interested in, well, I'm not all that interested in exercise. <laughs> but um, but it really will help with various diseases. And a lot of the diseases that we have are caused by just having too much food. So So, you know, until 50 or so years ago, people were half starving. You know, people were hungry. People went hungry. And nobody was really very fat. Sort of when I was a child. I didn't know anybody who was fat. I just didn't know anybody. And that's because, you know, you got just enough to eat, and it was probably a highly well-balanced diet, but, you know, you just didn't have excess food. And so now we're suffering from Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and obesity and type 2 diabetes and all these things that are caused just by too much food. And, and never, ever being ketotic. So never producing the ketones that protect. And so now we get cancers that we never got before. So, you know, for example, pancreatic cancer never was seen. Liver cancer wasn't seen. And now we have all of these diseases that that suddenly appear. Yeah. And people say, oh, it's because we're living longer. But this is not true. They, you know, they, they just caused, you know, loss of limbs, to due to diabetes is caused by just eating too much well, I, and not exercising. Yeah. yeah, I guess life expectancy so,
0: has, you know, it has tapered off. I mean, it, it is longer, but the average is probably different from like the median in terms of if you are a healthy person in uh, today versus a healthy person in the 50s, you know, life expectancy would probably be fairly c- comparable. It w- it's because of, like I guess, accidents or other things that one might see. Um, a difference. Yeah. Well, but I, I, I could I, I I, I I, see an argument. You, you just look at the life expectancy charts. There is, it has been like an increase over the years.
1: Oh yes, there's been, certainly been an increase. I mean, and a lot of that is due to antibiotics. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, disease, so basically fighting since off disease. The
1: war, yeah. yeah. So since the war, you know, having antibiotics and um, um, antivirals and those sorts of things really have helped. And also just simple hygiene. So you know, sort of having running water and and loo's that are inside instead of outside. Yeah, I, I, it's really I,
0: helpful. yeah. No, I think this if if we can really prove this out as you know as, as we hope as we as we dearly hope. Um, I, I think I've seen people write about this this technology as something that could be as impactful as penicillin, which is which would be you know obviously a yeah. huge um, yes honor if we were able to make that kind of impact. Um but I don't think it's necessarily overly crazy because if you look at uh I know there's companies already like starting to demonstrate that or or, or groups of people are starting to demonstrate ketosis in general as a as a helpful tool. So you might have heard of Verda Health, which is a Silicon Valley based company that helps coach people through ketogenic diets in the hopes of reversing type two diabetes. And of course with a ketogenic diet, you're looking to reduce uh Uh, the carbohydrate intake and elevate ketone levels um Mm, mm, mm. i I think you know i think it's interesting to now what if you didn't have to do a ketogenic diet but have really high ketone levels we can finally now study that in a very robust way so that's a very interesting uh, area i think uh, personally also very exciting for me was um the potential around cognitive dysfunction so there is a paper that you uh you co-authored, uh, with uh New- Mary Newport around uh, the use of ketoneser for, for Alzheimer's or at least a case study of an n mm-hmm. equals one, just one. One. Yeah. So again, um, you know, very speculative, very early. But, um, you know, why do you think it worked in that case? Like, what what do you think was the core phenomenon in driving, uh, the 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 improvement in Alzheimer's symptoms using a ketone?
1: Um, well, Alzheimer's has been called type 3 diabetes. So if you look at an Alzheimer's brain, it can't take up glucose. So, And it doesn't take up glucose, but it does take up ketones. And so it can use ketones for energy. And that's why it worked. But, um, you know, we really do have to do a proper study. But Alzheimer's studies are really, really difficult to do.
0: Yeah. And, and so, I think my understanding That's is,
1: low on my list.
0: <laughs> I think also – I think it's also that – I think there's so many ideologies for Alzheimer's. It sounds like they might all be uh, – well, 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 just mm. – well, I, I, I would say that some of the recent thinking is that Alzheimer's is really a cluster of symptoms, but what is the root cause? Maybe there's different root causes. Maybe some are insulin-resistant based and some are, you know, through a different pathway. So yeah, yeah, I think it's it, yeah, it is it, yeah. it is a subtle art to figure out you know which types of cognitive dysfunctions we could potentially be helpful for.
1: Oh, exactly. Um, you know we don't know whether it will help vascular dementia. You right. know where people have little strokes right. all the time, right. and that's usually caused by hypertension, high blood pressure. Right. But um, but certainly, um, when you look at people who are um, diabetic, type two diabetics or even just obesity, they're three times more likely to have Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. So that you know, so there has to be some sort of cause there. Right. You know. Yeah. So I I think that it is related, that they are related. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. and again it's like again, these are like, a lot of these are correlations, but you look at like Alzheimer's obesity, diabetes, I mean these are the same kind of curves. Right. The same exactly. exponential growth curve. Exactly. So and again, yeah. a correlation is not causation, but, um, there's likely to be some environmental variable that is, it was introduced or some lifestyle change introduced in the last 50 or so years when this really started taking off that, you know, it's humans have not changed in the last 50 yeah. years. You know, like we, you know, genetically are going to be no, very similar no. to, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the folks that walk around when Jesus was around or, you know, folks that are around when, you know, Genghis Khan were around. I mean, again, the same species and uh, they didn't have these kind of problems. So it's interesting to start unpacking this, I think, and this with this tool, with this lens. Um, yes. But I, th- I, I, yeah. I absolutely think you're right. I think, you know. As you know, our our first product, Human Ketone, is a sports performance product, but I think we're very excited about what other products we can develop together to tackle potentially all these different use cases. Um, I know that we've had uh, uh, Dr. Thomas Siegfried uh, from Boston College on our show. He is really talking about an interesting theory around how not all cancers, but certain types of cancers, are uh, you know use glucose and can only use glucose as a fuel substrate um Mm -hmm. so he's been experimenting and looking at ketogenic diets as a way to decrease availability of glucose increase the ketones Mm -hmm. that fuel the healthy cells as a way to Mm -hmm. uh, at the very least be a nutritional adjunct for cancer uh what do you think um do you think that I mean, again, early, and I think, you know, we want to, you know, again, we want to folk position human ketone as a sports drink to yes. enhance performance. Yes. But I'm curious what you think of that theory that Siegfried is talking about.
1: Oh, well, I think he's correct. I think he's quite brilliant, uh, you, you know. But um, we have to sh- show whether the ketogenic, whether our exogenous ketone will help yeah. at all. So I, yeah. I've heard pushback that, that
0: some cancers really like ketones, though.
1: Yeah, that's right. People do report that, and it could be could be true. Yeah. So we I mean, so, like, so, you know, so so, so for, for folks
0: out there looking to experiment and and, and, and and be a biohacker here, make sure you know make sure that again consult a, you know a professional your med, your medical practitioner to make sure that uh, the cancer type that one is looking to to observe is. Uh, glycolytic or, or, or you know, something that uses ketones well. Obviously, we don't want to <laughs> exacerbate no, any certainly issue. No, we
1: don't. No, we don't. We don't. But, uh, but um, I, I do think that there are a lot of glycolytic um, tumors around that, you know, we that if you will inhibit the glycolysis yeah. in those tumors. I mean, yeah, my understanding we, is that, yeah. looking
0: at the research a little bit, is that most cancers are glycolytic, but again i mean this is i I think these diseases that we're talking about are probably are are the biggest killers of modern humans Mm. i mean Mm. it's not it's not war it's not famine anymore it's not uh it's something it's it's our internal machines breaking down so and obviously a lot of money a lot of effort has been focused on doing this so if we can maybe play a small part in Uh, providing a tool that might be helpful i think that would be very exciting Um, yes i agree what other areas i mean i think like i know that you know as a scientist you're curious around the the disease side but i think um i I know you know there's interesting literature uh i think nasa has looked at ketones Obviously, the mm-hmm. military with DARPA have looked at ketones and, 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 and me as a biohacker, uh, uh, you know, and, and coming and starting in, getting excited about the space from a performance enhancement perspective, because luckily, I don't think I have any of those conditions yet, crossing fingers. Um, that's less practical for me. And I think for a lot of our audience members who are optimizers and looking to go from you know, the 100% to 102% in performance. Um, what can we speculate or, 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 or explore in that area?
1: Yeah, I, I do think that people will have to work it out for themselves. So nobody's, you know, people are just not the same, right. you know. And so I think that people perform differently. They, you know, they just do different things. And so people will work it out. So, for example, um... You know, a cyclist may decide that they don't want it for performance. They want it for recovery. Or you know, just people will work it out right. themselves Right. When, yeah, when they've got access to it. Right. So before, nobody really had very much. We never had very much because we were making it in the lab. But, you know, I just think... Um, that people will work it out why why
0: is it why was it why was it sort of manufacture um why did it take so long i mean again like the the darpa grant the military the 10 million dollar darpa grant was in 2003 2004 um i i can imagine people asking that's a a good chunk of money and it's 13 14 years later why was it so hard
1: that only got us through the safety studies i mean when you think of it it was something that was brand new it was a new molecule right and so you have to go through all the safety studies and you know go and see the fda you know every couple of weeks to sort of work out what you had to do next
0: and and my understanding was that darpa required this to and i think this is interesting to talk about the regulatory perspective here because i think we're talking about you know the enhancement perspectives and all the different performance profile here but this is a food this is a food product this is not a pharmaceutical this is yeah. not a supplement. Uh, this is not a. It's got
1: calories in it. Yeah, this is a food. It, it, and I think DARPA required also, you
0: to prove that it is a food.
1: Yes, they did. Yeah. They did indeed. And and we had to get um, we had to grass it before we were allowed to go into humans at all. Right. So we had it grass then, and then we had to regrass it for athletes. So so we regrassed it for athletes, but it, but also um, it was terribly expensive to make. So because of the um is the chiral compound right which yeah so we we don't use the racemate. so other things on the market such as salts use resume right and really um you know so they they use the the dl form but the the d form is what what the human body makes and uses and and uh, and the L form is only in really really small quantities and you don't see it ever in the blood right. and it's not used for energy right. and so we just didn't want to risk that because we you know we're old and we know about thalidomide and what happens when you don't care about the you know about using a racemic Yeah mix. and I think and
0: I think that was prescient in terms of some of the emerging literature around racemic exogenous ketones, where they weren't necessarily necessarily enhancing performance, but actually perhaps detracting from performance. So I I think that is an important point to bring out, is that uh, human ketone, the ketone ester that uh, Kieran invented here, is a fully uh, isomerically identical to uh, what the body naturally (laughs) produces. So this is a pure uh, uh, DBHB-delivered, into your system without any salt, without any extra carriers. Can you describe the chemistry? Like how how is it so pure? How does it all convert into the body? And, and what is the compound? Like we talk about the ketone ester, but what does it look like? Like a, What does it look
1: like? It looks like beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is that one, the ketone we're wanting, yeah. attached you know, attached via an oxygen molecule to um, uh, butanediol. And butanediol goes straight. As soon as you... you consumed uh, the drink then, then um, it breaks down in the gut by esterases in the gut and lots of our foods come as esters so this is a common thing and we've got esterases everywhere in the body but it breaks it down in the gut the beta-hydroxybutyrate goes straight into muscle cells for example or all cells no doubt and the butan goes to the liver and is immediately made into beta-hydroxybutyrate so the whole of the molecule is the 1d beta-hydroxybutyrate in effect so and that's what you want so you don't want any any waste of anything you want to use the whole molecule
0: and i think that's why it's it elevates ketone levels so efficiently um i think um as you know brianna did a lot of the pharmacokinetics on all types of exogenous ketones and i think and I think that was also yeah, it was accepted for publication recently to, in Frontier in physiology uh, showing that uh, it is just a far superior delivery of ketones than anything else that exists, like salts, etc. Yes, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I think that when you get up to the high levels of salt, then people start to really feel ill. Um yeah yeah. Yeah. What, and, yeah
0: what do you think yeah. of you know all the existing methods i mean people talk about mct oils or you know eating butter in in their coffee um as as a way to like increase their fat consumption uh do you think there's any sense of that do you think that that's going to be just deprecated as an uh, intermediate step in terms of just getting to direct you know ketones with the, with the ketone ester
1: yeah i i think the that- butter is just nuts i mean i love butter but i don't eat tons of it uh you know and uh, i just think it's crazy eating saturated things and of course the mcts um they don't raise your cholesterol or anything but it's limited by the amount you can eat depending on how solid your gut is really so you know if you really are desperate to raise your ketone levels then you know you have to use the MCTs, but. It, doesn't raise them very high so you know it's less than one millimolar and so you know but but of course people should do what they find best and if they want to eat a ton of butter so be it you know it's a
0: free world yeah
1: it's a free country <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, you know the the bio hacker and myself is you can do whatever you want but but you should measure it right i think if people are just Yes. throwing a bunch of inputs into yeah. your system, you know, that's all fine and well, but, uh, I think, um, you know, what really helped me learn and dive deep into the space or just measuring how these inputs affected you, right? Like you should measure LDLC. You should measure triglycerides, uh, is yes. eating a lot of butter and, and carbs at the same, I don't know, whatever regimen you're doing is that, impacting your biomarkers in the right way that you want them to be and I think that helps enlighten a lot of the answers and I think it is going to be personal as you mentioned before to uh, each specific person and their genetic makeup and and their use cases Um, so Mm. it is a bit of a personalized journey but I think one must get educated so hopefully you know in this conversation we're we're throwing out areas of further discussion and, and further exploration
1: sure that's right and, and people should also look at the fat in their liver as well. So it, it's not good. You know, that leads to liver, liver cancer eventually. Right. And so I think, you know, liver fat, all those sorts of things they should be looking at. So people should just know. I, You know, somebody should start a company that just does it quite cheaply, does, you know, liver
0: fat blood detection.
1: scans. Well, oh. that sort of thing, and bloods you know, so that you, you don't have to go and buy your own monitor. You can just turn up and have it done.
0: Well, okay, that's an RFP from Professor Clark here. Uh, come <laughs> talk to me as, as as human and as, you know, representing the role we here. Uh, we'd love to engage with, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, that that's exactly how I think I think we talk about it. I think for human and, and for a partnership here, we are producing, I think, an interesting input into the human system and mm-hmm. we need more and more output tracking devices and par- and companies and partners to mm. work with because I think that our input is very interesting um, and we want to show that it works and if you can sh- show it in, in, in a liver fat measure or ketone levels then it's a very natural partnership. So reach out if you mm-hmm. have uh, these biomarker output devices out there. I, I, I actually know that a lot of people when i do talks come up and say oh i'm working on this you know all these devices so i love those conversations because i think that um i think one of the things we initially connected over was the the notion that humans should be thought it could be a platform of innovation where novel inputs into the system and then Mm -hmm. can we Mm -hmm. optimize and personalize given you know the availability of ubiquitous biomarker tracking um Awesome. But, uh, but yeah. also,
1: I think that what what it means is that people have to take responsibility yeah. for their own bodies. Yeah. It, and lots of people don't want to do that. You know, they want a magic bullet. Yeah,
0: but I think, I, I am least hopeful that the culture is changing. I know within the human community and our, in our fasting community, more and more people are getting up to speed on, you know, they're buying ketone, you know, blood pricks. And these are relatively healthy people. Uh, I know every time I speak to an audience there's more or or, or have you know group dinners with with friends and, and and colleagues that people are wanting to learn as opposed and I think that's mm, very mm, different mm. than you know maybe 20 30 40 years ago where I think uh, the the medical practitioner or the doctor or the medical you know was uh, like an authoritative God. monolith yeah. and you as a layman was like, okay, I just need to like eat the prescription and, and, and follow whatever they say. But I think due to the internet, I think due to this mass yes. availability of information, you know, smarter, you know, or at least curious people can at least dive into it a, and, and have a conversation and, and, and understand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's more of a partnership model, I think within healthcare. And I think, yes, um, We've seen that in every other industry. We've seen that with computing. We've seen that with uh, uh, almost yeah. other every other industry. But I think it's about time for health, perhaps.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree, and and also I think, um, of course, our our ketone will help with aging. Yeah. So, amongst other things, so so it will help with aging. And yeah, um, I'm actually yeah. yeah also, let's talk about
0: that. I I yeah. I, for, I almost forgot. Like that's a very interesting kind of worm. So. I believe I saw your 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 one of your main collaborators, uh, Dr. Richard Veach, publish a review mm-hmm. around uh, the potential for uh, ketones for triggering the FoxO3 pathway, which is associated yeah. with uh, enhancing teloma- telomerase activity, which extends yeah. telomere length. So yeah, can you can, yeah, you, can right. you can you dive yeah. into that? But, uh,
1: but also um, free radicals, you know, so that it it sort of helps with free radicals. And so this is why we're talking about Mars because um, radiation is terrible once, you, you know, you get out of the atmosphere. So, so, you know, that's healthy people using it for radiation. But you can also use it um, uh, sort of externally on your skin, so uh, against UV damage. So, so there's lots of things that we probably haven't even thought of as, as well as things that we have thought of, thought
0: yeah, maybe there. So, so a bit. I, I think wearing, you know, from a, coming from a skeptic's perspective, why does this affect so many things? You know, we're talking about it, you know, you know, improving athlete performance, uh, improving special operator performance, and then we're talking about you know potential uses for different diseases. Now we're talking about it for preventing radiation damage. Why? Why is this like? Why does it sound like too good to be true?
1: Um, I think because it's something that we've always had to survive. It's a survival thing. And, and there's no human being that hasn't, that can't produce ketones. I mean, you you just don't live if you can't produce ketones. You absolutely need them to survive and you need them to survive starvation or just even just not eating for, you know, for 10 hours or something. If you didn't have ketones, you're a goner. And so... I, so I think that you've always had ketones, and we've always had high ketone levels, generally in the population. So, so you know, we've always been ketotic at various stages, half-starved at various well, stages. Well, I, I know
0: babies are often, newborns are ketotic. Yeah,
1: ketotic. Yeah, and they survive on ketones until after they're fed. Yeah, for several days even. And so, and also pregnant women get be, become quite ketotic as well. And and so they're certainly used, and and because they're such an efficient fuel, and as long as you've got oxygen. But a, anyway, um, so I think that we've evolved with these, and then suddenly we haven't got them. Suddenly, with all this food, we we don't have very high levels at all. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure my ketone levels haven't been up for years, except when I've drunk Delta G. But anyway. So, so I think that that's, this is a, a sort of like a countermeasure and sort of saying, all right, we're going back to, you know, pre, um, well, pre-war actually or probably during, just, you know, during the war um, we didn't have enough to eat but we ate when we did eat. They really studied the food that we had to eat, you know, to make sure that we had balanced diets. So we were eating better during the war yeah. than we are now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. You so, talked about free radicals. So um, if we can dive a little bit into biochemistry there, how does it uh, reduce free radical damage? Is this because of the uh, increase in the redox span in, in the mitochondria? Yeah. Or, or what are the mechanisms well, that it, you... Well, it's,
1: you... it's to do with redox. Yeah, it's to do with the NAD-NADH ratio and and. Production of that and and also in the cytosol as well. So so it's it's through the NAD NADP system that that you um, contain free radicals. Yeah.
0: Great. I mean, I think uh, any other thoughts? I mean, I think that this will be a a good first introduction introducing the availability of human ketone, which you know Delta G partnership here, um, allowing this. I think this massive paradigm shift in technology and are just a, kind of a reshuffle of our understanding of physiology and making this available to everyone so i think it's a huge accomplishment today um, and i know that we've probably opened a ton of questions and tons of different rabbit holes that listeners out there and, and interested folks out there are going to want to follow up on so i'm sure you know, Zill, our producer is going to be feeling some questions, and we'll have you back on and, and perhaps address some of those concerns, and also uh, perhaps theory craft some more. Because I think that's where I, I you know, I, I, for me as a as an entrepreneur, as an innovator, I like cur- teasing the future. Can we create the future in a way that's hopefully better for humanity mm-hmm. rather than a dystopic future? Excellent. Um,
1: yes, I agree.
0: So excited agree. to continue the conversation um, and. Send us a send us a note. Send, you know, we'll pass on the questions to Kieran. We'll, we'll answer them together. And as always, uh, follow us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Until next time, we'll see you then. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Kieran.
1: Bye bye. <laughs>